Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. Today's case is one that is absolutely, it blows my mind. I honestly think it is the craziest case that I have covered in general on my channel, on my YouTube channel, as well as this podcast. Um, when I was doing research on it, it was just like this rabbit hole of information, just like spiraling and I was in complete like just mind blown at how crazy this all is. So I really do think that you guys are going to be feeling the exact same way. Today's case is a solved case, and today we are talking about the murder of Blake and Mary Jo Hadley. And this case started out when I first looked into it as a request from one of you. Um, I usually, that's like how I usually get like all of my case information, unless it's like a huge case. Some more lesser known cases are brought in by you guys, which is great because it's a way for me to be able to kind of look in more deeply at cases that aren't as normally like publicized by the media and I had never heard of this case when and I had never heard of this case when it was DM'd to me and when I lo started looking into it like I said I was just blown away so we are going to jump right on into it today if you're new here make sure you go and hit that follow button we have new episodes here every single week and I hope you enjoy today's episode so Blake and Mary Jo Hadley were living in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and they decided that right before their oldest son was born, um, they were going to move closer to Blake's parents in a little town called Port St. Lucie, Florida. And Blake was working as a watch engineer, and Mary Jo was an elementary school teacher. And like Mary Jo was just described as the most perfect person ever, just so caring. One of our students actually described her as no matter who you were, even if she didn't like you, she would never give up on you. And so if that's just gives you any description as to who she was as a person. She was very um, caring and nurturing and just a wonderful, wonderful person to be around in general. And that exact quote from that student is the exact same outlook she had when it came to her children. So Mary Jo and Blake had two children. Their names were Ryan and Tyler. They had two sons. Ryan was six years older than Tyler. The murders of Blake and Mary Jo occurred in 2011, so at that point in time, Ryan was 23 and he was living in North Carolina, and Tyler was 17 and living at home. And Ryan and Tyler were really close growing up. They were always doing something together. They were always hanging out together. Six years is a decent gap period in between siblings, but it really didn't matter for them. They were just super, super close. According to Ryan, their oldest son, Blake and Mary Jo were just like amazing, amazing parents. They were loving, they were generous. And we see this a lot from an outsider's perspective, how an outsider can have a picture-perfect view of a family. They would think that there is nothing wrong, no conflict, no issues at all, but on the inside, behind closed doors, it is the absolute opposite. And that, unfortunately, is what happened or what was happening in the Hadley home. So when Blake and Mary Jo's youngest son, Tyler, was about 15 is when he started kind of going down the wrong path. He was doing the typical kind of teenage things. He was sneaking out. He was skipping curfew. He was kind of rebelling against his parents. But then there were things that he was doing that was definitely kind of just like taking that overboard and taking it to the next level. He was skipping school. He was getting involved in drugs. And his parents became more worried as time went on that this behavior was going to just keep getting worse before it would ever get better. The last straw was one night when Tyler came home and he was absolutely, completely out of his mind intoxicated. And that was the last straw for his parents. They were just over it at that point and they decided to actually do something instead of just kind of like waiting around. 
So, like I said, Blake and Mary Jo had the outlook where they never gave up ever, especially when it came to their kids. And so they ended up taking Tyler to a psychiatrist who ended up putting him on antidepressants and they actually put him in an outpatient home um, for mental health and substance abuse. It was like a mental health and substance abuse program. They put a tracking device in his phone and Tyler definitely was not happy about any of this. He just didn't, was not having it. Definitely thought that his parents were pushing the limit, taking it too far and just kind of like helicoptering over him imagine an app designed to make you use it less seems a little counterproductive right well apartments.com's instant alert feature works exactly that way instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let apartments.com do the rest from pet friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit acs apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed so you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one with more rental listings than anywhere else apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you apartments.com the place to find a place There were a lot of families in Tyler's neighborhood that he lived in with his parents that just kind of described him as a normal kid and that he was a nice teenager. He was respectful during his younger years, but almost everyone said that once he reached high school, once he reached to be 15, just a switch went off. There was something that just turned different and a lot of people blamed it on the crowd that he was hanging out with. It just wasn't the best crowd and, and a lot of people blame that crowd for the reasoning that he just kind of went down this really dark path. For example, Tyler actually dragged a couch out into a wildlife preserve with his friends and lit it on fire. And if you ask me, that's definitely a little bit more than just the average teenager would do. And 10 weeks before his parents' murder, Tyler actually was arrested because he got into a fight at a friend's house. And he was arrested and charged with aggravated battery and was sentenced to a week in the St. Lucie jail. And then following that one week in jail, he was sentenced to two weeks of a house arrest. And listen, like, I am no parent, obviously, but I can only imagine that feeling of when your kids are getting involved in things that you know they shouldn't be and when your kids are doing things that you know could lead them down a wrong path and you you feel so helpless. I could just imagine, like, how helpless you would feel, like, knowing that they are out there doing these things. And obviously, you want to do everything you can to help your kids and to make them better people and prepare them for life in the world and just all of those types of things. So as a parent, you get worried. And I think that Blake and Mary Jo were obviously worried about Tyler and we're trying to figure out the best way possible to help him and I think that you know their best way in their mind was just kind of getting professional help and going to the strongest resource that they could find and I think that that is a hundred million times better than not doing anything at all I think that they are super smart for actually being proactive about it and doing something about what they thought was going to end really badly which in this case they were right so two weeks before the murder, Mary Jo was actually going around to everyone, which I just think this part is so sad. She was going around to everyone, just kind of being so excited about the progress that Tyler was making in this clinic. The clinic was called New Horizons, and in this program, he was forced to do daily counseling, and Mary Jo really thought that she saw a personality switch in Tyler and that he was finally starting to get back on the right track again, which made her really excited, and she was going around to everyone telling them how excited she was that Tyler was finally just kind of like getting back on the right track um, and kind of seeming like he was going back to his old self, which made everyone feel very, very happy. 
except Tyler. Um, according to his friends, uh, like I said, he definitely expressed to them that he didn't like being disciplined as much as he was. He didn't like having a tracker in his phone. He didn't like having to go to this program. He didn't like any of it. And fast forward now to the week of July 16th, 2011. So Tyler had been telling everyone that he knows that he was going to be having a house party that weekend, but no one really believed him because they thought that his parents were going to be there. They kind of knew the whole situation and relationship between Tyler and his parents and thought, well, how would his parents ever let him have a house party if they were there? And Tyler ensured all of his friends that his parents would not be at this party. And this is how it happened. So the night of July 16th at 1.15 p.m., he wrote a Facebook status and he said, party at my house tonight maybe so definitely leaving it a little bit open-ended and then fast forward then to 8 15 p.m the same night he posted another status on facebook saying that the party was on and to hit him up for the details on facebook Obviously, his friends continued to kind of question Tyler, asking him where his parents were, um, and he switched his story every single time. Um, for one girl asking, he said, they won't be here, trust me, which honestly just gives me so many chills, and you will understand why very soon. Um, the party started around 11.30 that night, and lots of people started to show up. It wasn't before long that about 60 people were at the Hadley's house, and most kids that were there didn't even really know Tyler. It was just kind of like a word of mouth thing, like come if you want type deal. People were playing beer pong, they were putting cigarettes out on the couches, they were breaking glasses, and it was just a total, total, total disaster, but Tyler didn't care about any of it, and the only thing he actually did care about was the noise level because he didn't want the police coming to his house. So when people kept continuously asking where his parents were, like I said, he told one girl they won't be here, trust me. He told another one of his friends that they went to Georgia. He told another one that they went to Orlando. And he even told someone else that they didn't even live there. And then that house was actually just his, which just in and of itself is super bizarre. Um, but nothing about this situation is normal. So there's that. Um, and at about 1230 AM, so a little bit after midnight, the beer supply was running low. And at that point, Tyler had asked his friend Mark and his girlfriend Ashley. There were two of his friends. Mark was more of his friend than Ashley, but he had asked Mark if he would drive him to the liquor store so they could pick up some beer because Mark was 21 and Tyler was obviously 17, so he could not do that. Um, and while Mark was inside the liquor store buying this beer, Tyler had actually told Ashley that his father had died. Um, and Ashley was obviously like she was a little surprised at this because she wasn't super close with Tyler so it was just kind of like a weird thing for him to tell her and then it's also kind of uncomfortable to just kind of be like um he didn't she just basically she just didn't know what to say she was just kind of like oh like I'm so sorry but she in her mind assumed that he had died a long time ago because she obviously didn't know Tyler very well Tyler's demeanor and his behavior through this party was extremely calm, cool, and collected the entire time. And even though the party continuously got more chaotic um, and more people kept showing up, he just kept a cool composure and was just kind of chill throughout the entirety of it. So here's now where we get into kind of what exactly happened, because at this point in the night, Tyler was starting to slip up a little bit with his story, and that could have been because of the alcohol that he was consuming or the drugs, if he had consumed any, I'm not sure. It also could have been just because he felt like he was keeping such an insane secret and needed to just let it out. Um, but Mark Andrews is the guy who Tyler went and purchased 
beer with. That was the one who Mark's girlfriend was Ashley and Tyler told Ashley that his father had died. So Mark was getting ready to leave the party and Tyler told Mark that he couldn't leave because Tyler really had to tell him something. And Tyler told Mark that he did some things that can make him go to prison for the rest of his life. And obviously Mark was confused and asked Tyler like, what are you talking about, dude? And Tyler then confessed to Mark that he had killed somebody. And Mark, weirdly enough, I don't know, I think this is a weird response, but I could just be wrong. Um, Mark then told Tyler that if he actually did kill someone, that it's none of his business, Mark doesn't want to know about it, and not to tell him that sort of thing. I think that that is weird. I just think that that's a little bit of a weird response. Am I wrong? I don't know. I just kind of feel like that's not the response that you like have when someone tells you that they killed someone. Like, I don't think there's any, like there's no right response there, but I just, I don't know. It was a little weird to me because to just kind of like brush that off completely, be like, oh, don't tell me that. Like, I don't want to hear it. It's like, well, obviously no one wants to hear that. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think about that because I thought that that response was a little weird. After telling Mark that, there was an 18-year-old there named Ricardo, and Ricardo was at the party, and I'm actually pretty sure that Ricardo and Tyler met at this party. So just that same night that they had met, Ricardo went up to Tyler right before he left and thanked him for having him over and for the beer and all of that, and Tyler told Ricardo that he just wanted to do something fun before he left, and Ricardo was like, oh, like, where are you going? And Tyler told Ricardo that he was going to kill himself. And obviously that is an extremely strong statement, one that should not be thrown around at all. Um, but obviously he had just told Mark a little bit earlier that he had killed someone. So he told Ricardo that he was going to kill himself. And when Ricardo asked why, Tyler said that he did something really bad and that if he gets caught, he will be going to jail for a very long time. I'm not sure what happened after that interaction. Um, Ricardo left the party and then Tyler went inside and saw another one of his friends named Kimberly who lived literally just two houses down from Tyler. And when Tyler saw Kimberly in the house, he told her that he was going to be going away for 60 years and that she would be finding out tomorrow. Clearly he wasn't going to be keeping the secret a secret much longer. This was all spiraling downhill fast. And if you can't figure out what has happened yet, um, I'm about to get into the details of it, but I think that by what I have told you so far, you should kind of be able to put all of that together. So, Tyler had a best friend, and his best friend was named Michael Mandel. And Tyler and Michael had been best friends since they were eight years old. So now that's, they're 17 now, so that's almost a decade, almost 10 years of being best friends. And at about 1 a.m., Tyler asked Michael if they could go for a little walk. And that is when Tyler told Michael that he had killed both of his parents. Michael did not believe him, which is when Tyler kind of played everything out for him. He was like, look, dude, like both of their cars are still in the driveway like they they're here like I killed them and they didn't leave I told everyone they left they didn't leave they're still here and Michael still did not believe him um, and that's when Tyler took Michael into the garage and turned on the light and there was a bloody shoe print on the ground and that is when the truth just hit Michael straight in the face because he realized Tyler was confessing the entire truth Throughout this party, Tyler had kept the master bedroom locked, and right after he showed Michael what was in the garage, he brought him up to the master bedroom, and the master bedroom had been locked, but he opened it, and that's when Michael saw the brutal scene of Tyler's parents' murder. 
Tyler had told Michael that on that day, July 16th of 2011, it was a little bit before five o'clock in the afternoon or the evening, um, Tyler grabbed his parents' cell phone. So both of Blake and Mary Jo's cell phones, Tyler grabbed them and hid them. And then he went into his room and listened to the song Feel Lucky by this guy named Lil Boozy, who I've never heard of, but um, he then took three pills of ecstasy. After taking ecstasy, he then went into the garage and found a claw hammer. And after finding the claw hammer, he went to find his mom, Mary Jo. Mary Jo was working at the family computer and Tyler stood behind her for what he said was about five minutes, just kind of playing this whole thing out in his head, like reassuring himself that he could do this. And after about five minutes, he hit Mary Jo over the head with a hammer. Mary Jo started screaming and obviously Mary Jo was stunned and startled and started screaming and she just kept screaming the word why and that is when Blake who was in the master bedroom at the time ran out to the family computer where Mary Jo was and saw what Tyler had just done to Mary Jo Um, and Blake basically just asked Tyler the same question which was why and he responded with and excuse my language but why the fuck not while him and his father exchanged stares for about a couple minutes They both were just staring at each other, kind of being like, what is going to happen next? And then Tyler continued to attack his father. Blake was a big guy, you guys. Like, we're not talking about some small guy. He was about six foot, 300 pounds. So you can just imagine how hard that attack must have been on Blake from Tyler. Like, how hard that must have been to act, like, how brutal it had to have been, basically, is what I'm trying to say, um, to murder him because he was a big guy, six feet, 300 pounds. Like, that's not an easy, just kind of like small guy. And after the attack was over, Tyler wrapped towels around his parents' head and dragged them both into the master bedroom. And that's when he laid both of his parents' bodies face down, side by side. He spent the next three hours cleaning up everything, threw all the pieces of evidence so he thought away, um, buried his parents' body underneath books and towels and broken dishes and glass. And really, like, honestly, anything he could find, he just kind of, like, tossed it onto them just so it would kind of look less suspicious. After Tyler brutally murdered his parents, he just kind of went back to his normal life. He put them in their master bedroom, locked the door, took a shower, went to Facebook, and that is when he posted at 8.15 p.m. that the party was on, which honestly, like, this is where it just drives me insane, you guys. Like, this is where this case is crazy to me. Could you just imagine you being at a house party and the person who's throwing the party had just murdered their parents, shoved them in their bedroom and locked the door while everything else was going on. They had a straight face about everything. Clearly it got to Tyler at some point because he started slipping up majorly. But it's just like so crazy to me that he murdered his parents, literally murdered his parents, brutally murdered his parents. And then just posted on Facebook, I'm having a party. Everyone come over. It's going to be dope. And everyone came over and didn't suspect a single thing. And then to also think about the excuses he was making as to why his parents weren't there, saying that they were in Orlando and Georgia and they don't live there anymore and they won't be home, trust me. Like, it's just so insane how, I don't even want to say how thought out this was, but just how this was all executed and how this was all, how this all panned out, I think is absolutely, like, it just blows my mind. This whole thing blows my mind. So now kind of fast forward to where Tyler was telling Michael Mandel this whole thing, um, his best friend, and 
after Michael was told all of this, he actually didn't leave the party. Um, he stayed for about another 45 minutes. He was drinking. He was hanging out. Michael and Tyler took selfies together and acted like nothing was really wrong. And a lot of people on the outside, the public, have really criticized Michael for his behavior um, after he was told. And I feel like it could go both ways. Like, yes, it's a little weird that you're still staying at this house. This guy, your best friend, just told you he murdered his parents. He showed you the whole thing. And you're still staying there drinking, chilling, and just kind of acted like nothing was wrong. And Michael has gotten a lot of criticism from the public about this. Um, and I think it could go both ways, honestly. I think, yes, it's weird that you're still staying at this party when your friend just told you that he murdered his parents. He showed you their dead bodies. He showed you everything. And you're still staying there taking selfies, acting like nothing was wrong, the whole deal. But I also think that it is, I mean, I wouldn't say smart, but I think that it is understandable in a sense because obviously if Tyler is capable of killing his own parents, he is capable of really anything. Um, and for Michael to leave right after that, it would definitely look suspicious as to, for, I feel like it would definitely, and for Michael to leave right after, like if Michael had left right after Tyler had told him this, I think that it would have kind of made Tyler go really paranoid and kind of freak him out a lot because I think that he would think that Michael was going to go and tell the police. Now, Michael did say in an interview that when he was taking those selfies with Tyler, when he was hanging out with Tyler after the fact that he had been told all of this, he knew that he was going to call the police. Like he said that like he knew he was going to call the police once he left. There were a couple questionable things. There were a couple questionable things about what Michael had said um, in his interview about thinking that Tyler Tyler wasn't a murderer. He didn't see Tyler as a murderer. And that to me is a little weird because it's like, well, he is. He told you he was and he killed his parents. So he is a murderer. But um, Tyler, but Michael did say, regardless of all of that, that he definitely knew he was going to be calling the police once he left. So at this point, it was around two o'clock in the morning and neighbors were getting fed up because you guys like house parties can just drag on for so long and neighbors typically don't like it. And so I believe her name is Rayanne Wallace, which was one of the Hadley's neighbors called the police and two officers actually arrived at the house. And at that point, there are about only 20 people left at this party. And Tyler went into panic mode when he saw the cop showed up. And now obviously we know why there were two dead bodies hiding or his parents' dead bodies were hiding in his master bedroom. So he told everyone to hide in his room. He cut the music, cut the lights, um, opened the door, talked to the police for a few minutes. The police told Tyler that there had been a noise complaint and Tyler apologized. And that is when the cops left. The cops literally left. They just, they left. And obviously they probably weren't thinking what had been going on in that house that had actually happened, but I just find it crazy. Like the cops just left. And at about 2.30 a.m., so about 30 minutes after the cops had left, um, more people started showing back up to Tyler's house to continue the party. But at this point, it was very clear to everyone that there was something very wrong with Tyler. And Michael Mandel, who was Tyler's best friend, who he had confessed the entire thing to, had left the party, but before he had left the party, he went into Tyler's bathroom and grabbed the pills that Tyler was going to use to commit suicide. And it wasn't just like some random guess. Like Tyler had been going around telling people he was going to kill himself. And so Michael knew to grab the pills. Fast forward now to about 4.40 a.m. that same morning, Tyler posted another Facebook status that said, party at my house again, hit me up. But what Tyler didn't know is right when he posted that Facebook status, the police were already waiting outside his door. And this time it was not for a noise complaint. 
Michael Mandel had called the Crime Stoppers hotline when he had left the party and told them everything that Tyler had told him about the murder he committed. So once the cops got there and the officers were walking towards the front door, they saw Tyler just pacing back and forth in the living room by himself, just pacing. And when the officer rang the doorbell, that's when Tyler freaked out. He turned off all the lights in the house. He opened the door wearing a black shirt and black shorts and with his hands behind his back. And when you're talking to the police, obviously having your hands anywhere where they cannot see them is not the smartest thing, especially in a situation like this. So they basically ordered him to get on the ground and they arrested him. And Tyler was asked by the police if there were any adults in the house. And that is when he said no. He then said something to the officers, which is actually, I just, I don't know. I thought it was kind of interesting. He said, I know I'm going to Rock Road, so just take me. And Rock Road was the address of the county jail. So Tyler at this point knew that he was caught completely caught and the officers left Tyler in the driveway while they were going inside the house and when the officers started entering the house Tyler started freaking out he started really panicking and yelling at the officers and said that they can't go in there which obviously they did not listen to when the police got into the house they made their way to the master bedroom and that is where they saw splatters of dried blood on the walls and that's when they noticed that the master was locked and so they broke it down and found both of the bodies of Blake and Mary Jo Hadley Ryan, Tyler's brother, obviously came home from college to attend the funeral of both of his parents. He was obviously in utter disbelief and just completely distraught. He did visit Tyler once in the county jail, and he actually testified against Tyler, which I completely understand why, during his trial and said that he should receive the maximum punishment for his actions. When Tyler's friends found out about all of this, they were extremely confused as to why he would ever do something like this. They knew that he had problems with his parents. He knew that him and his parents didn't get along sometimes, but they never thought that he would take it to this extent. And what's so bizarre, this is what really just kind of gives me chills, is Tyler had told multiple of his friends over the course of his life that he was going to kill his mom and that his dad wasn't his real dad and that his dad had punched him in the face and he hated them both so much and all of these crazy things. And it just goes to show like his friends took this as a joke and it's like if you see behavior like this out of any of your friends it is definitely something to be concerned about it is definitely something to tell someone about because this shit is not a joke and the fact that he had told all of his friends throughout the course of his life that he was going to kill his mom hated his dad the whole deal he even went over to his neighbor's house one day crying when he was 11 saying that he was going to kill his mom and the fact that that had not been like reported or not reported but just told to someone like I know that his parents tried to do what was best for him and what they thought was best for him and I completely respect them so so much for trying in this situation because there's so many parents who would not care at all and just kind of like kick Tyler to the curb and just be like yeah whatever like do what you want do drugs go down the wrong path whatever but they were genuinely concerned and genuinely wanted to help him and I know that they were genuinely just trying to do what they thought was best and I think that's what's so upsetting in this whole case is they were just trying to do what they thought was best for their son and their son obviously has much deeper issues than just what the substance and all of that like this is deep 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 rooted and um but it just like I said goes to show that if you ever hear anyone talking about killing anyone in a serious sense like I'm going to kill my mom I'm going to kill my dad like that shit's not a joke 
When the cops searched Tyler's house, they found a bunch of pills in Tyler's name. Tyler had wrote several letters to his friends, and one of the letters he had said that he had wished he never took the pills because that's what led him to kill his parents. In another letter, though, he told his friend Michael um, that he had purposely waited for Ryan to move out, his older brother to move out, so that he could kill his parents. A fellow inmate of Tyler actually testified at the trial and said that Tyler claimed to have had began planning his parents' murder three weeks before it happened. He also told this inmate that he should have been at that party because it was awesome and that is just so twisted makes my skin crawl and just totally like i just it makes me sick i actually have one of the letters here that i want to read to you guys it says this is from tyler it says i was just living my life as a normal 17 year old kid and the next thing i know i'm in the middle of st lucie county jail i've ruined a lot of people's lives and i can't seem to forgive myself i find myself crying a lot because of all the guilt every day i beg for forgiveness and i ask god not to send me to hell i don't want to go there father michael told me that if i just confess my sins and repent then god will forgive me for everything i just can't get rid of all this guilt it's swallowing me whole I'm extremely nervous that I'm going to get a life sentence. It's making me pretty depressed. I want to say I'm really sorry for all the grief that I've stirred up. I know everyone thinks I'm a psychopath and all, but I am really sorry for everything. I've been praying every day for forgiveness and for a decent plea offer. I should get one since it's my first offense. I feel extremely bad for Ryan and especially you, my other grandparents, for the grief I've caused. I feel like Ryan doesn't love me anymore, but I know he does and he's just going through a rough time. It's so hard going through this. I'm scared and I feel so alone. So obviously this was a letter to his grandparents. Um, I personally... A uh, part of me doesn't want to read the letter because it's just like I just I feel zero sympathy because it's like you literally murdered your parents. Um, and when he says that I'm praying every day for forgiveness and a decent plea offer, I should get one since it's my first offense. Like I'm sorry, you killed two people. Like you killed two people. Like you should you should get a plea offer because it's your first offense. I just feel like that is very kind of, that's so narcissistic. It's unreal. There was then another letter that said, I wish I could throw back some Miller lights and smoke a fat ass strawberry white owl, but I gotta say it feels good to be sober. My head is nice and clear. Make sure you drink some Miller for me. Drink yourself stupid like I used to. I swear to you, Michael, the devil had a hold on me. I talked to him and he talked to me. That's why I seemed so crazy towards the end. I'm not a cold-blooded monster like everyone thinks I am. I'm a caring person that made a horrible mistake you gotta let people know that obviously that was the letter to his best friend michael um again i didn't really want to read it because i don't want to make it seem like he is like any way shape or form deserving of remorse in this situation but i do think just as factual evidence it is important to give you guys all the facts so that is why i wanted to read it to you and that, you guys, is today's case. That is all that I have for you. I am so interested now more than ever to hear what you guys have to say about this. I know that it is so all over the place and so crazy and so wild and so unreal, but I want to know, like, maybe you do feel some sort of sympathy and remorse for Tyler, or maybe you don't at all. Maybe you think that this has been going on for a lot longer than the three weeks he had been premeditating this. I just want to hear your thoughts about this case probably more than anything because I am so curious to know what you guys think about this. I know it's a solved case so there's not a lot of like theories but I do think that it is just super important to keep this conversation going. So definitely, definitely, definitely tweet me, DM me, let me know what you guys think about this case. I will be reading and responding to you guys as well. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. I will be back next week with another true crime episode for you guys. 
guys. If you're new here, like I said, make sure you hit that follow button so you are never not notified about when we post a podcast. Thank you guys so, so much for listening and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye guys.